Hey guys, welcome to today's episode of Read Rex and Reviews. Um, so today I'm going to be reviewing, reflecting, and comparing two books that are set in the same time, um, using the same, talking about basically the same thing, and, um, (coughs) sorry, talking about the same thing, and, um, also by, um, authors of the same, I would say, the same nationality, I think, um, so, one of them is um the mountain sing which was the book of the month for april yeah um for the indulgent bibliophile book club i feel like i've been talking about the indulgent bibliophile but yeah and um the second is rue so basically both books are actually talking about the vietnam war but they vary in their um delivery i think yeah, and then they vary in their sort of writing. That's another thing. Um, and also, like, in the amount of pages, like, they vary greatly, greatly. But um, I felt that there was um, a need to talk about these books, you know. Talk about them and reflect on them because... Um, after reading The Mountain Sing, I knew that I would be wrecked. Like, from the onset, I already knew I would be wrecked. And then after reading, and after our book chat, um, Bukola, um, Akinyemi, yeah, I think that's, uh, Bukola, anyways, she posted that she had this book, um, Ru by Kim Tu, and, um, you know, I figured, I realized that I had it too. And I was like, oh yeah, I'm up for body reading. And to be honest, it was a very great experience body reading with her. Because what we did was we divided the books into pages, into a certain number of pages. So after, when we get to that page mark, we would, you know, stop and discuss um, all the things we felt from the, from, um, the beginning to that particular page number and you know going forward that was how it was and it at some point I was like oh man I'm tired I want to just give up on this book but you know that um that um how would I put it the um oh god how do I explain this the urge to actually finish to actually want to discuss with her because there was really something soothing about our discussions you know honestly there was something soothing about our discussions and i realized that it was really really um enlightening in its own way so you know we would discuss and bounce of ideas i was if you i think i would create a highlight i shared a couple of um a couple of pages i highlighted on my insta story you know things that i i thought were absurd and basically they were absurd anyways but yeah 
So it felt good reading that with her and it was a very wonderful experience. As always, my books are tabbed. I started tabbing slash annotating and it really feels good. Aside from the fact that my tabs, sticky tabs are always bending. I don't know why they're always bending. But yeah, it felt good to actually talk about, to actually body read with her. Um, so, Rue is written by, or was written by, um, Kim Thu. So, it's actually a translated book. Yay, my first translated read. Oh, no, my second translated read. So, it was first written in French. That is, um, the narrator's, the, um, author's adoptive language. And then it was translated to English by Sheila Fishman. So... Um, and then we know The Mountain Sing was written by Gwen Fan Gwen Mai. And it was both books, actually. I liked the experiences, but like I said, they were similar and different in their own way, which is normal, I think, for books, obviously. Um, so this is the first time I'm doing something like this, but I hope I actually to get to do it well. If not, just freestyling. So, as always, I'm going to start out by reading the blog for the book. So, I'm going to start out by reading the blog for Wu. Um, okay, so here goes. An international bestseller. And please forgive me if I do not pronounce the names well. I try. I listened to the audiobook for The Mountain Sing while I was reading. So, I have, you know, a mild... Um, lesson on how to pronounce your names, but still not excellent. So, as a young girl, Gien and Ding escapes Vietnam with her family. She leaves behind her palatial home in Saigon and the less tangible reaches of her home country the ponds of lotus blossoms, the songs of soup vendors. She goes by boat to a Malaysian refugee camp, then onward to a new life in Quebec, where she experiences the difficulties and joys of the American dream, yet always feels afloat. The girl becomes a student, a lover, a lawyer, and a restaurant owner. She becomes a wife and a mother of two, shaping her love around the younger boy's autism. The word Ru has meaning in both the narrator's native and adoptive languages. In Vietnamese, Ru is a lullaby. In French, a stream. Composed of short vignettes, Ru moves seamlessly between past and, and present, beauty and brutality, comfort and comedy, sorrow and sensuality. It's a classic immigrant story told in a breathtaking way, singing itself into a dream, flowing and gathering power. Yep, um, I think I want to do this thing where I talk about, I read the blubs, the, I say the blubs. <laughs> The author's bio. So let me read Kim Thu's bio. So it says, Kim Thu has worked as a seamstress. 
uh, sorry, as a seamstress, interpreter, lawyer, and restaurant owner, and now devotes herself to writing. Rue is her first novel and has been published in 15 countries and won several prizes, including Canada's Governor General's Literary Award. Thee, Thu, lives in Montreal. So, yeah. Um, so, let me read the blurb for The Mountain Sing. An intimate, staring portrait of a country at war and a family's battle to survive. Set against the backdrop of the Vietnam War, The Mountain Sing is the enveloping, multi-generational tale of the Tran family, perfect for fans of Min Jin Lin's Pachinko, Pachinko, or Yagyaz's home going. Why can't I pronounce that well? Pachinko. <laughs> Hanoi, 1972. Huang and her grandmother, Trans Yulan, cling to one another in their improvised shelter as American bombs fall around them. Her father and mother have already left to fight in a war that is tearing not just her country but her family apart. For Transulan, forced to flee the family farm with her six children decades earlier as the communist government rose to power in the north, this experience is horribly familiar. Seen through the eyes of these two unforgettable women, the mountain sing captures the defiance and determination, hope and unexpected joy. Vivid, gripping, and steeped in a language and traditions of Vietnam, celebrated Vietnamese poet Guyen's richly lyrical debut weaves between the lives of grandmother and granddaughter to paint a unique picture of the country's turbulent 20th century history. This is a story of a people pushed to breaking point and family who refused to give in. Guyen Phan Gue Mai was born in Vietnam in 1973 and grew up witnessing the war's devastation of her country. She worked as a street seller and rice farmer before winning a scholarship to attend university in Australia. She is the author of eight books of poetry, short fiction and non-fiction in Vietnamese. Her writing has been translated and published in more than 10 countries and has received many honors, including the Hanoi Writers Association's Poetry of the Year 2010 Award. Gue Mai has an MA in Creative Writing and is currently a PhD candidate at Lancaster University. She currently divides her time between Indonesia and Vietnam. Definitely, they didn't start out um, um, as what they are now, obviously. I mean, I, do people really start out as what they are? I don't know if that makes sense, if that statement makes sense, but, you know, these two women, once this, this similarity they have, one similarity they have is that they... Um, they have seen the war. <laughs> they saw the war. Um, I, I don't know if that makes yeah, it makes sense. They saw the war. Um for I wouldn't say that um Kim I I don't know. From this book I wouldn't say that she lived through the war, but you know, 
they had they got opportunities to leave and they left you know and it's really um crazy and daunting god i hope my voice is sounding emotional i hope i do not cry right doing this <laughs> yeah but you know um they have they um they both um went through the war they saw the war they saw the devastation of the war they saw what it cost and you know i feel like they are they are, they both are gifts to the literary world because we get i would say i wouldn't i wouldn't call it front row seats excuse me i wouldn't call it front row seats but you know they um they they showed us what we didn't know like it was basically like taking us behind the scene it was basically sorry i had to take a water break it was basically like taking us behind the scenes you know giving us their experiences and their and what they lived through what they saw and what we don't know what the outside world doesn't know you know we we only hear things and that's one of the that's one thing i like about reading books you know as much as we say that oh i i, I don't do reality uh, i'm a non-fiction person because i like to read non um, i'm a fiction person sorry not non-fiction my god where did that come out from <laughs> not me but you know we get to see like real life um real life issues you know and that's that that in itself it's not every time that a book has to have a real life representation you know has to show us everything that is happening in the society sometimes i just want to get lost in a world that is so super perfect you know but with this book they achieved so many things so i didn't write a lot of things this was just a spur of the moment kind of um thing you know but i'm going to try off the top of my head to give my similarities and differences so first of all i would say that um um rule is an autobiographical novel first of all it is autobiographical um so autobiographical fiction sorry that's what goodreads call it i don't know what um i think i need to check it out on google to know what it calls it but you know rue is autobiographical is an autobiographical fiction because it is by the author is a narrator of the book and it's in and you know it's it's um her experiences i think we would say it's her experiences you know giving us what she thinks so yeah it's autobiographical fiction and fictional biography autobiography right 
And like I said, it was initially written in French, which is the adoptive language of the author, and then translated in English. So written in French, first published in 2009, and then um, translated in 2012. And then The Mountain Sing was first published in 2020. You know, and it's, I don't, it's really um, for, for, um, for Rue, I would say that she gave us um, more like, more like, um, sorry, hold on. She gave us more like her life. It was basically seen into her life. And you know, then the experiences of her cousin, her cousins, and the devastation that war brings. Another another and one one difference I would say about both books is that the mountain sing is shockingly devastating and wrecking. <laughs> First and foremost, it is it is, it is, I don't even know. It is shockingly devastating. Rue is not as devastating as the mountain sing. You see, the mountain sing took us in depth. The mountain sing, it was almost like I was there with Yulan, with Huang, with... Um, Uncle Song with um, Uncle Sang. It was almost like I was there. Does that make sense? I don't know if that makes sense. Rue showed us her life, but you know, I wouldn't see with with um, with um, another difference in both experiences, and is that for. Zulan, during the land reform, you know, her family's home was brutally taken over. Well, from the way it was written, it was brutally taken over. And in rule, it was taken over as well, but it wasn't as brutal as... I mean, maybe she didn't write it that gory, but it wasn't as brutal as... That of the mountains sing. Both books are so good. Um, so I don't know. <laughs> okay, so I'm just going to just talk about. Let me start by talking about the mountain sing. So I'm just going to give my review for the mountain sing. So I started reading the mountain sing since January, but when I found out it was book of the month for April, I decided to stop. That was one reason. The other reason was because the amount of tears I had shed was a lot. And I wasn't sure that I had <laughs> any more tears to give. So, um, so yeah, I stopped and then, you know, picked up when it was time to read with the book club. So, um, for, for, I started out with, I started out at the walk that is, um, page 166. Yeah. Yeah, so basically the work was um um 
was about Zulan and her six children and how they fled from their home. Excuse me. I feel like I'm having indigestion. And how they fled from their home and, you know, how she had to fend for her children and take care of them, you know. So there was something I wrote in my reading journal. I said that everything in this chapter struck the way humans turn on each other, how we forget the good that others have done for us, the lengths we'd go to just to save ourselves, and the hard-slash-difficult decisions mothers make in order to secure the future of their, cho- of their kids and ensure they get a better life. And so I had these questions to ask. You know, in, in, in this... Um, in this in, in this chapter, it was, um, Zulan had to, she didn't do it intentionally. You know, it started with Uncle Thong. Yeah, it started with, no, it started with that. It started with Uncle That. It started with that. And then, you know, she, and then, um, she dropped Thong. And then she dropped Nong, um, Gong. And, oh God, I can't pronounce your name. I'm um, sorry, Thwan. And then Han and, you know, Sang was the last and she carried Sang with her. Um, It's like, she didn't think that she was going to drop off her children with people who are strangers, almost like leaving a trail, like breadcrumbs. She didn't, she didn't want that. She didn't think she would be doing that, but... The situation called for it, and she did it. And so I had this question to ask. I said, was, ah, I don't know how to pronounce her name. <sighs> My God. Was Gunk. <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce his name. I'm so sad. Um, her daughter, Huang's mother. Was Huang's mother justified for being angry at her mother, Zulan. Um, I don't know if I was... I think she was justified. But then as a child, she couldn't possibly have understood the... the pain her mother must have felt while she was doing these things. To be honest, Gong was justified in her anger. It was totally understandable because these were her siblings and she couldn't for the life of her fathom why her mother was dropping them off like leaves with strangers and then i asked did zulan make the right decision to leave okay no i asked did gonk shit I swear I don't even I can't pronounce these names. This this one in particular. I really can't. <laughs> I can't. Okay, so I said, did Nock make the right decision to live with people without her mother's consent? Um, I don't know. I think I would say no. She didn't make the right decision because. I mean, I understand that she was angry, but I felt she shouldn't have done that. She shouldn't have just walked off 
not even giving her mother a glance, sparing her mother a glance. It at that point in time I was already even angry at her, but then you know I was able to like fix myself in that I was able to try and fix myself in that situation, and you know. Um, see how it would be, how I would handle the situation myself, and then I asked, "Was Yulan the worst mother?" Because, Nock thought her mother was the worst. But I don't think Zulan was the worst. I think she did what she thought was best for her kids. And she knew that if she carried her kids with her, it was either of, um, I think, two, three things. One, they might not survive the walk to Hanoi. Two, they would have slowed her down, which would have led to the um farm the land reformers from her village to find her you know and it wouldn't have it would have been so um devastating for her because she she knew she wouldn't have been able to handle that um handle her children being caught you know so yeah, it was either of two things. So I don't think that Zulan was the worst mother. I don't think so. I think she did what was best for her children at that point in time. Was it the best decision? Well, I don't think it was. But if it was basically the only decision because there was no food. So is it that the children would have died of starvation or exhaustion? And they were sick, incredibly sick. I think it was a good call on her part. Um, and I asked, would she have done things differently? Honestly, I can't say. Really, I can't say. But I think that, you know, if the situation had arrived, um, if it was a different circumstance, obviously she would have done things differently. You know, um, it was, it was, it was... It was it was a lot, really. So um, so that was the for the work. That was the, that was that was one um chapter that struck with me. Another chapter that struck with me was my mother's secret, where um Huang found out about her mother's um abortion, and you know um people and the fact that she killed her child even before the child was born. And really, there was, I think, let me just read out my thoughts on this. So I said, I think that Nog aborting her child, while it wasn't a good thing, was necessary for her to keep her sanity. Yes, she might have kept the child and would have been accepted by the family. But then, what if they didn't accept the child? It was indeed a very tricky situation, to be honest. But I like that she was able to tell Huang everything and explain the reason for her action. Um, that was, I think that she she was able to do that because I think that I, I understood Nock's situation, really. It, it made sense to me that for someone who was raped, um... It only made sense that you don't want to do. You didn't even know who fathered the child, first of all, because they were. I think she was raped 
by two, three different people, you know, and in my opinion, it wouldn't have made sense to keep the child. I don't know. It's, it's just, that's what I think. It wouldn't have made sense to keep the child. There was really, there was really no need for, for her to keep the child. And I like that she and Huang were able, Huang were able to get into a sort of understanding you know, the mountain thing is really like <laughs> there is so much to unpack from this book, honestly speaking. And you know, it made me realize something that it made me question how much we know about history. You know, it made me question how well do we know our history? How well do we know things? How well do we know? How well do we accept the things that have been told to us by a certain sex of people and not and then hearing a different thing from another sect i don't know if that makes sense you know um it made me realize that war <laughs> war is a is a fucking it's a it's it's war is war is a bad bitch <laughs> and and that's the truth. And that's that's the honest truth, to be honest. Like is this this book it's it made me um during our book chats, um, you know, um I mean made mention of the Nigerian Civil War slash Biafran War and there is actually so much we don't know about it. My God, I hope I don't cry. Whew. There's actually so much we don't know about it. You know, there's so much we're not being told. And then families who have a lot to say or people who survived the war and have a lot to say really can't possibly share their experiences probably because of the trauma that they faced. My mother told me something one time. I think we're talking about um we're talking about um I think she was just talking randomly and she was talk- telling me about oh how it was oatmeal, you know, there wasn't food during the war, you know, and then she was like that she had this aunt who was a nurse who works with um they used to call them indie relief. That's the relief um, people, the UN relief um, people. Hold on, please. Water break. You know, and um, she said that she was always, you know, I think going to either check on her or give her some things. I can't remember. You know, and she, I think her mom was 11. Was she 11, 15? I can't remember how old she was. But, you know, and then my aunt was always giving her oatmeal, you know, tell her to sit and eat so she would eat oatmeal with lots of milk. And, you know, these are, these are, then it wasn't a luxury because of the war. They weren't getting so much. And so one time she was working with her mother from, from their farm. You know, she was working with her. She was in front and her mom was behind. And then there was a soldier coming. And, um, 
and uh, I don't know how I don't want I don't know how to say it in Igbo, so I'm going to translate it, you know. And the soldier was asking her that is the war even affecting her because she was looking very chubby and you know fat from all the milk that my aunt gave that her aunt gave her you know and you know we laughed about it but thinking about it it was something that i'm sure that the the soldier was actually in awe of of seeing a child who was you know chubby who had flesh because i'm sure he was used to the children the children were sick at that point in time my father she also told me of um a story my dad used to say um how he was coming back from somewhere with his uncle and you know and a bomb landed like so close to them they had to you know like they dispersed and you know my uncle his uncle landed somewhere and my dad landed somewhere and then you know after the shooting and the bombings had cleared out died down they now came out and you know he would always say that so his uncle would say alex in the kweba you know it means um alex are you there um you know we would laugh about it it's funny but it made me realize that there was trauma my dad probably didn't realize that he was traumatized by that situation. But that was a traumatic experience. War is a traumatic experience. We don't know the amount of people who live with PTSD as we are right now. Due to war. <sighs> so the mountain thing actually brought out a lot of emotions. And then during the book chat, um, um, you know, she shed light on Agent Orange. And I had to, you know, Google that shit. And <laughs> it made no sense that people, you know, it didn't make sense to me that in order to win a war, in order to fight war, that people using guns and everything you would decide to go biological i mean that was the case of what happened with uncle sang whose wife gave birth to i don't even know and you know it's 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 still i think it's still in effect right now because that thing it has passed from generation it is gen it has become embedded in the dna that is why most times, you know, we always say, oh, the Asians, oh, they're they always the ones where, where um, these things are happening. You know, when someone is born with, with zero hand or no, something, one abnormality or the other, we're always making it seem like, oh, yeah, it's their fault. But reading this book and reading and understanding what Agent Orange did, it shed more light to the situation. My God, I'm emotional right now. <laughs> oh my God, this is the longest I've ever, ever recorded. But then, how many episodes have I done? <laughs> but yeah, um, it shed more light to the situation, you know. It made me realize that ignorance is, is not a good thing. 
really. Because we were all ignorant, like, oh, yeah, the Asian, ah, Chinese, this, them, now that's why they do this. You may realize we're ignorant in our own, in every way possible, because it wasn't their fault. It's just like the bombing of um, Hiroshima. Those things have side effects. There was bound to be long-term side effects. The Americans knew what they were doing. That they still went ahead. You sprayed it on trees. You sprayed it on people. To what end and justification? And they have still not answered for these crimes. The soldiers, the American soldiers were compensated. How do you compensate an entire country? How? How do you compensate an entire family, a mother who gives birth to a child without arms, without legs, nothing? Because of the effects of what you sprayed in their country? Because you were trying to fight slash win the war? It made absolutely no fucking sense at all. So, um, yeah, moving away from the so much emotional aspect of this. <laughs> so, um, so I've, I, I just, I just, um, let me go back to, let me talk about the characters. So, um, I really liked, I really enjoyed reading. I liked the back and forth, you know, going from past to present, past to present. It was done seamlessly. And it was, see, Gwema is a talented writer. She's a good storyteller. There are some books that I would read, I have read, where they went back and forth, you know, past and present. And I was confused. Utterly, totally, devastatingly <laughs> confused. Because I was like, what the hell is going on? What's the occur? Do you get? So, I'd, but she did it seamlessly. Like, it blended. Because I, I saw, I found myself, after reading Zulan's um, experience... I'm eager to get into Huang's own experience. I'm eager to get into her own story to know what is going on with her. Do you get? Oh, tell me what's happening with her. And it was it was excellent, seamlessly written. I liked the characters. There was a lot, a whole lot of character development. Like a whole lot. It was. It felt like she. It was like. It was a typical family situation. Do you get? Like, it was a typical family situation. I enjoyed that about the characters. I was able to connect with each and every one of the characters. Even the ones that were stupid. Iji, Sang, and Han. And Han. I was able to connect with them. You know? Even Ming. My heart bled for Ming. Oh my God. My heart bled for Ming. I mean, you didn't see your mother for how many years? Only for her to find you and you're terribly ill. No, my heart bled. 
my heart bled for me. His story, his losing, his having to let go of his wife and son, um, children. Let me read that again. I can't even remember. Like... Um, uh, I can't remember, I can't find it, but you know, um, my heart bled for me, not having his wife with him, it was, it was sad, I sympathize with, um, Uncle Dat. You know how he came back with an alcohol addiction with no legs. I sympathize with Thwan. Thwan. Thwan, we didn't get so much of Thwan, but you know, we read his letters. It was, it was, it was a devastating story. The themes of this book. Uh, so it, 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 the, the things that I picked up from it, um, there were graphic descriptions of, you know, the war, the famine, sexual abuse, death, um, explosions, um, abortion, you know, and there was one thing that, um, I would say that, um, the mountain saying is a story of family betrayal yes there was betrayal family betrayal relationships love um war um hunger famine um there was so much about this book the plots the writing the twists were they twists yeah they were twists but you know, at that point, I wasn't even looking for twists. Because, well, it wasn't really a fantasy book. It's not a fantasy book, but I, I just wanted it to end. I wanted to, I wanted to get to the end. I wanted to know what, what was, well, why is it going to end? I wanted to know if there was going to be a happily ever after. You know? I was eager for happily ever after. I wanted there to be happily ever after because I feel like you can't suffer all of this suffer and not have a happily ever after. God, please. <laughs> and um, I, I already talked about scenes that struck with me, stuck with me, and this is a book I will read over and over again. I don't know when I'll find the courage to reread it, but I will reread it over and over again. I will recommend it totally. And I like the setting, you know. The war was actually the the main I think I think the war was the main thing, but somehow it was like the foundation of the story itself. It wasn't the, it, there was a way she did it that didn't make the war seem like everything was just about the war. Well, it was, it was about the war, but there was still, you will still see things, you know, in the family situation, you know. Um, 
sorry, I'm yawning. Um, I would say that all in all, the mountains thing was a totally great experience for me. Honestly, totally, totally great experience. I will not even lie about that. It was so great, so so great. I was just like, oh my god, oh my god. I was just crying, 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 wailing. Mother had to ask me if I was alright. Oh yeah, so I'm alright though. Mm. Alright. I want to share my um so let me share my favorite quotes. Um let's see, let's see, let's see. Uh let me find them. So she um this is um um I want to share my favorite quotes now. Okay, so the first one that um that stuck with me is the challenges faced by Vietnamese people throughout history are as tall as the tallest mountains. If you stand too close, you won't be able to see their peaks. Once you step away from the current of life, you will have the full view. It's like I don't even know how I want to interpret this thing, but it actually stuck with me. It made me, it just, I think probably because of the relation to life, made me just, you know, just highlight it and just keep thinking about it, basically. The Mountain Zing God is solid five star for me. Like, if I could give it a hundred, I would. It gets a hundred. Everything was perfect about this book. I swear, I find no faults with this book, to be totally honest. I find no faults with this book. Now, moving on to Rue. So, Rue is the um, author's narrator, and, and it's about her. I, I like to think it's about her. I like to think it's a memoir. But it's not a memoir. It's an autobiography fiction. So, yeah. Rue also gave us, took us through um, the experiences of um, and thing. So... Excuse me. Oh God, I'm suffering from indigestion, my dear Lord. So, um, first of all, in the first, in the second, first of all, the way the book is written. So they said there was something they said they wrote about the book of how it is written. Um, about the type. Yeah, they call it the type. So it says that the body of Rue has been set in grand. Grand John, a modern recutting of a typeface derived from the classic letter forms of Claude Garamond, fourteen eighty to fifteen sixty one. It is named in honor of Robert Grand John, a successful sixteenth century French publisher, punch cutter, and founder, and a contemporary of Garamond, Claude Garamond. Yeah. Display text and drop caps are set in linotype D-dot. So, I really don't know what... I, it, I know it has to do with the writing style because the book is... I don't know if you say it's written in verses. I really don't know it say, to say if it's written in verses. But, you know, the stories are... At some point, I was confused. There was a particular place we got to that just felt 
confusing to me. I didn't understand what was going on again in the book. But after after reading those set of pages, I was able to still connect back to the book. You know, it was um I can't recall the pages, but it 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 wasn't really easy to get into. But I stuck with it. You know, I stuck with it, and there was something she said in the second. I say I think I would say the second page. I don't want to call it the second chapter because it wasn't written in chapters. Yeah, it wasn't written in chapters. That's why I don't want to say it's in chapters. But um, um, it is almost like like Bukola said, it is. Individually, it is not a, it is not a memoir, a novel, or poetry, but collectively, it is all of them. I don't know if that makes sense, you know. So she said something. She said, "My name is Gwen Anting. My mother's name is I don't know how to pronounce. I don't know how to do that variation, but she said my mother's name is Gwen Anting. Her my name is simply a variation on hers." Because a simple dot under the eye differentiates, distinguishes, dissociates me from her. I was an extension of her, even in the meaning of my name. In Vietnamese, her name means peaceful environment and mine, peaceful interior. With those almost interchangeable names... My mother confirmed that I was is well, I was the sequel to her, that I would continue her story. The history of Vietnam, written with a capital H, thwarted my mother's plans. History flung the accents on our names into the water when it took us across the Gulf of Siam thirty years ago. It also stripped our names of their meaning, reducing them to sounds at one strange and strange to the French language. In particular, when I was 10 years old, it ended my role as an extension of my mother. So it's, I, I like that she she took us from the second um, page, last chapter. The first page talked about her birth. You know, I like that she took us from the second um, page into what, um, how she survived how she survived the Vietnam War, you know, and, um, um, like I said, it shared some similarities with, um, the mountain sing, but there was one thing that also struck me, stuck with me with Rue, the fact that she had an autistic son, but she was gentle with him and she tried to understand him. I think one of the aunts, one of her aunts was autistic. Well, you know, they didn't really know. So they didn't know how to handle her. I would, I don't want to use the word handle. Handle is the wrong word to use. They didn't know how to, um, I, I don't even know if I should say relate with her. They didn't know how to understand her. Yes, let me put it that way. Better put that way. But, you know, and thing actually strive to understand her, her artistic son. Mm-hmm. Her artistic son. I like that. 
um, um, there was the explanation of their names, you know, like I said, and she showed us how um, it was important, you know. Um, and then there was another, the first part of these, of um, the book that I highlighted was where she said, the doctor on call didn't speak to me, didn't speak a word to me. He tugged the elastic of my pants to confirm my sex instead of asking boy or girl. And now it, it, it made me realize that when you're an immigrant, whether you have the citizenship of that country or not, once you're not, you're not a, how do I put it? I don't want to say indigen. I don't know if indigen is the word to use. But once you're not originally from that country, you'll be treated differently. Even as a child at 10 years old, she was already treated differently. I mean, it's it's not a right thing to, to assume that, oh yeah, not everybody can speak English. But that doctor already assumed. Yes, she wasn't really speaking because she was... Um, how would I put it? She... She... She felt like she didn't have anything to say. But you know, putting in an effort will probably have pulled her out from that. But the doctor just did what he wanted because, oh yeah, I don't care. I'm like, <laughs> I read it twice and I'm like, ah oh, no, this thing, you know, direct. And then, um,. Um, she talked of, she took us into her family, you know, how her family lived, how they were okay. They were, her family too, they were rich. I mean, from all the descriptions here, her uncles, uncle two, aunt seven, I mean, the names are funny, but I understood that that was the tradition, giving uncles names in order of their birth. You know, um, um, and then, um, I liked that, you know, um, there was also something he talked about in the book, um, it's called, um, Passing, where members of the same family are on opposing sides. So let me look for that and read it out to you. Um, I'm going to look for that and read it out to you. So, I highlighted this, but I can't find it now. Why didn't I find this thing? Basically, it was, um... Um, the, in their family, they were, they were, how many were they again? I think they were, um, so let me just read it from, okay, yeah, I found it. So he said, my maternal great-grandfather was Chinese. He arrived in Vietnam by chance at the age of 18, married a Vietnamese woman, and had eight children. Four of them chose to be Vietnamese, the other four Chinese. The four Vietnamese, including my grandfather, 
became politicians and scientists. The four Chinese prospered in the rice business. Even though my father became a prefect, he could not persuade his four Chinese siblings to send their children to a Vietnamese school. And the Vietnamese clan didn't speak a word of Zhaoanese. The family was divided into two, as was the country. In the south, pro-American, and the north, communist. So that that's that struck it struck Bukola and I because um is it's not something I've really heard of. But you know, I feel like they were able to live together. And that in itself is something that struck me because we all say we, we foster unity, we foster evil. Yeah, we can't even tolerate each other in families. But the fact that they were able to live together, even if they were on opposing sides and they chose to be of different nationalities, they still came together. You know, I liked in the book, she, um, she talked about teaching her, her children all about um, her mother teaching her and her brothers all about sharing, you know, unlike her uncle. And it, it, there were lots of things that struck about this book. There were lots of things. I'm sorry. I'm, I don't know what is wrong. And she said, um, okay, let me read the whole, the whole um, chapter said just recently in montreal i saw a vietnamese grandmother ask her one-year-old grandson song bad uh, i don't know if i said that right so she said i can't translate that phrase which contains just four words two of them verbs to love and to carry literally it means love grandmother carry where the child touched his head with his hand. I had completely forgotten that gesture, which I had performed a thousand times when I was small. I'd forgotten that love comes from the heart and not the head. Of the entire body, only the head matters. Merely touching the head of a Vietnamese person insults not just him, but his entire family. That is why a shy Vietnamese eight-year-old turned into a raging tiger when his Quebecois teammate <laughs> rubbed the top of his head to congratulate him for catching his first football. If a mark of affection can sometimes be taken for an insult, perhaps the gesture of love is not universal. It too must be translated from one language to another, must be learned. In the case of Vietnamese, it is possible to classify, to quantify the meaning of love through specific words, to love by taste, to love without being in love, to love passionately, to love ecstatically, to love blindly, to love gratefully. It's impossible is impossible quite simply to love to love without one's head. I'm lucky that I've learned to sever the pleasure of resting my head in a hand, and my parents are lucky to be able to capture the love of my children 
when the little ones drop kisses into their hair spontaneously with no formality during a session of tickling in bed. I myself have touched my father's head only once. He had ordered me to lean on it as I stepped over the hand rail of the boat. It, it made me like, I love that. I love this passage. I don't know why. There was something about the way she described love. She said that that perhaps the gesture of love is not universal. I mean, we feel that we know what love is, but we don't know what love is in other translations, in other cultures, in other, um, in other, um, with other people from different parts of this world. So it's almost like saying, open your mind and learn the other translations of love. Basically, I think I think that's what I would say, you know. And then, um, basically, I like the experiences of. I like the experiences of. I like the experience that Rue gave me. There were so many things um, I wanted to unpack from Rue, and I like that I was able to do that. So many. I liked the last chapter of this book the last words she wrote in this book you know she said something like in 30 years Salmai resurfaced like a phoenix reborn from his ashes like Vietnam from his iron curtain and my parents from the toilet bowls they had to scrub alone as much as together all those in- individuals from my past have shaken the grime off their backs in order to spread their wings with plumage of red and gold, before thrusting themselves sharply towards the great blue space, decorating my children's sky, showing them that one horizon always hides another, and it goes on like that to infinity, to the unspeakable beauty of renewal, to intangible rapture. As for me, it is true all the way to the possibility of this book, to the moment when my words glide across the curves of your lips, to the sheets of white paper that put up with my trail, or rather the trail of those who have walked before me for me. I move forward in the trace of their footsteps as in a waking dream, where the scent of a newly blown poppy is no longer a perfume, but a blossoming. Where the deep red of a per- of a maple leaf in autumn is no longer a color, but a grace where a country is no longer a place but a lullaby and also where an unstretched hand is no longer a gesture but a moment of love lasting until sleep until waking until everyday life so like i said earlier so that was um rather that was that's um the last that last page I don't know, there was something about it. It made me realize that she might not have had hopes for what this book would have um, done. But, you know, it felt important for her to write it out, to give it to the world. You know, there were so many experiences, like so many, a lot of experiences, you know, um... 
where she talked to where her cousins slept with men at age 10 where they masturbated men in exchange for a bowl of soup you know describing these sexual acts naturally and honestly because it felt like it was something they were used to down to the little baby boy who was killed for just being a runner let me put it that way here he was a runner for the opposite side you know but he didn't know he was a child he wasn't questioned he was caught and he was shot just like that you know war i would say again war is devastating we don't know how much war is devastating even down to a family drama with uncle with auntie seven whose son is a gambler and she is very strict and she she didn't want to i don't know she 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 couldn't see past her son's fault meanwhile um 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 and thing knew that her son did some outrageous things like where she said because i had become a mother I lied to her too by remaining silent about the night. Her son took my child's hand and wrapped it around his adolescent penis. And about the night when he slipped into the mosquito net of Auntie Seven, the one who is mentally retarded, defenseless. I shut my mouth to keep my aging, worn out step aunt too from dying because she had loved so much. So Rather, it was, I'm sorry, it was aunt, step-aunt too. That was um, her Uncle Tu's wife. Yeah. Yeah, Uncle Tu's wife. And yeah, their Aunt Seven was, like I said, I think she was autistic, but now they said she was mentally retarded. So you can imagine. And she gave birth to a child, which means that step-aunt Tu's son what stuff? It, like, it, it was just, when I read the passage, I'm like, guy, I cannot keep my mouth shut for this kind of thing. When are they mad? Like, are they mad? <laughs> God, what sort of rubbish is that? There were so many things that, that, um, that stuck in this book, a lot of them, but you know, I can't go through all of them, but Basically, I would totally recommend Rue for any and everybody if you want a little, like like I said about the book, it's written here that um, it is an autobiographical novel based on the author's real life experience as a Vietnamese emigre and how she formed both her way and her voice after immigrating to Quebec. So she, she wasn't talking for a long period of time. She was a shadow of her cousin, Salmai. Was it Salmai? Salmai is her cousin's name. Yeah. She was a shadow of her cousin. You know. Um, she, she, she didn't speak at all. She didn't talk for a long time. But she found her voice. Gradually, she found her voice. And it's... They were, I felt like they were lucky enough to actually cross into Malaysia. So many things could have stopped them, but they crossed. 
they made it across and they were for that i think they were lucky i think they were lucky you know um there's so much about this book but like i said um because i wasn't able to because it was quite difficult to get into and i didn't connect to some parts of the book um it got a four star for me which is which i mean i would totally recommend for any and everybody if after reading the mountain scene that you feel that you want to you know maybe bring down your mind let me put it that way rue is a good book to start with um the similarities i saw in the book like i said they were um they were about vietnam about the vietnam war um they both talked about um they would have um they both talked about um mothers who dropped their children with people they both talked about women blackening their teeth <laughs> that one to shock me um they're both somehow life experiences of the authors um they talked about love they talked about family they talked about the war and they they talked about relation um betrayal relationship you know Both books are good totally totally recommend uh thank you so much guys for <laughs> sticking with me till the end so i have an announcement it's not a serious announcement. Oh my god, just something. Because um work is starting majorly and I am totally swamped. Lots of work, lots of orders. So I decided that I was going to cut down my record slash podcast time to two two Fridays in a month. First and last Friday, Fridays of the month, no longer every Friday, because uh, it's it's not going to be feasible for me. Um, I have work. Work has started for me again, so I wouldn't have a lot of time on my hands to do that. But I would always alternate, try to alternate between reading, reviewing, and recommending. I still need to... I think I would classify this one under recommendation, so if you've read... The mountain sing, you should read Ruth. <laughs> but anyways, thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you enjoy. Um, please don't forget to share. There was love in sharing. Share with all of your friends. Share. Um, do they follow? Yeah, follow this podcast. Favorite it on Anchor. Follow it on um, Spotify. Follow it on, I think you can subscribe on Google Podcasts, Apple Music. I don't know what you could do there, but subscribe, follow whichever one it is. Um, thank you, thank you so much. And I will see you in my next episode. Adios.